Good morning. Again, welcome to Life Church. Uh, my name is Ryan Coggins. I'm one of the staff pastors here. And for those of you who might know me a little bit better than others, which uh, includes my parents who are here and my brother and his wife who are here today, they might know this about me. Uh, but some of you maybe have experienced this, that I at times, I know it's hard to believe, but I at times can be a very impatient person. Like I, I want things done quickly. I want them done efficiently. I, I, I don't do well with waiting for things. I, I don't even like surprises because I just, I don't even like waiting for it. You know, at Christmas, I, I wanted to open my presents like December 19th. You know, I, I was that type of kid. And uh, when it comes to things like even playing golf, I've actually walked off of a golf course before because of waiting behind the group in front of me. I, I, I don't like waiting in those situations. Uh, driving, um, I'll just be honest, I don't have a Jesus fish on my car um, for, for reasons that I, I just, man, I like to go quick, I like to go fast, I, I don't like slow drivers, and I'm like, I'm just not going to put that on the bag of there, because I just, I just, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, at restaurants, I go to a restaurant because I'm hungry, and so having to wait 30 minutes for my food. I, I don't like that. And so uh, long lines, um, this is therapeutic for me just to kind of get this out there. I, I, I'm probably the only one here that's like this, but uh, long lines, um, this is a situation that I, maybe some of you can relate to. Maybe some of you don't care about this, but it, this bothers me like crazy. If I'm in line at a grocery store, for instance, and the register next to me opens and the person at the back of the line that I'm in goes and runs up to that, it just bothers. So if that's you, I'm sorry, but... Um, so th- there's a situation where I was at um, Five Guys. How many guys like Five Guys? Anytime you can bite into a 1,500-calorie burger, it's, it's good. They're, they're very, very good food. If you haven't been to one yet, you need to go. And I went to Five Guys because I could get my food quickly. And so I get in line. Normally, there's not that long of a line. There's about eight people in line, which is a little bit more than normal. And I, I get in there, and I'm just waiting in line patiently. And I'm standing here, and there, there's this guy that comes in the door right behind me and does one of these. I'll just demonstrate. He kind of walks in, kind of looks around, looks at me, and goes like this, right in front of me, okay? I don't know. He doesn't know restaurant protocol, you know, for waiting in lines, but you just don't do that, you know? And I I give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was with the people in front of me, or maybe, you know, I I don't know. He had to go get something and came back. I don't know what the situation was, so I was like, not going to say anything. This is fine. No big deal. Life will go on. I'll still get my 1500 calorie burger. Well, I get to the front of the line and uh, right at the front, you get to pick which register to go to. It kind of splits and they both open up at the same exact time. So I just picked the one on the right and I begin to start to place my order. And and the lady who's, who's there kind of does one of these to me and goes back and starts flipping burgers and so, the, like, I, I don't know if that means that her register is closed now or what, but I'm just kind of like, okay. So I, I go like I'm going to go to the other register because they're both open at the same time, and the person behind me has already kind of started to place their order. So I'm like, okay, so I'll just stand here. I'm doing the math in my head. There's two people now that have passed me in line. That's about six minutes of wait time that, of, to get my burger. But then there's the, the, the person behind them places their order right after them. And I'm just like, huh, is anyone, the, the guy even made eye contact with me before he places order. He know, like, I don't even understand what's going on. So I finally say something to the cash register, uh, to, the, to the clerk. I was like, 
can I place my order now? It might have been a little less nice than that. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but it, those are the types of scenarios for me. I know that that sounds just dumb. You know, like, why would you get mad about those types of things? I just, I don't know what it is. I get very impatient with waiting, and it's just, I have a tough time with that. It's something that I... Uh, definitely uh, need to work on and, and, and trying to get more patient. Now that I have kids, uh, I have to become a lot more patient. Uh, I, I have to be careful, you know, with May that I just don't, you know, just lose it and just, you know, whatever. But I, I, I need to be more patient with them. I know that I'm not uh, the only one in here who's like, maybe I am, I don't know. But uh, I've seen some of you drive and I have a feeling I'm not the only one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that many of us deal with kind of a lack of patience at times, and they did a, a study in the 1960s that they were kind of um, talking about the advancement of technology. And by the 1980s, they thought that technology would be so uh, to a point where we would have more time than we know what to do with. Like we wouldn't even know how to fill all the time because of technology. So you fast forward to the 1980s, and the, the average work week has actually increased by five hours a week. We're working more. Uh, You fast forward to today, and it's about five hours longer than that. So 10 hours more that people are working today than they were in the 1960s. We don't like to wait on things. We like things done efficiently. We like things done quickly. Um, And I don't think that that's a problem. I I actually think that that's a good thing, being a good steward of the time that we have and and working. I have no problem working. The Bible says work six days a week and rest one. I don't even know if we're to that point yet. but So I don't think that it's a problem necessarily. But sometimes that lack of patience can translate, can creep its way into our spiritual lives. And I'll just tell you myself, I can often treat God like I treat everything else, like I, I want things done quickly, I, I want things done now, and if they're not done now, I, I just don't even need it done anymore. And so in my prayer life, I have to be very, very careful to make sure that I don't treat God in that same way because time and time again in Scripture, and we're going to read a little bit. If you have your Bibles, you can actually uh, start turning to Luke chapter 18. We'll get there in just a minute. But uh, you read through Scripture and you find out that God is very much a God of process. And if you are to compare it, just kind of give you an analogy, God is kind of a slow cooker type of God, more, more often than not, not a microwave. And, and oftentimes, you know, we live in this microwave, Netflix, direct deposit, automated bill pay, you know, whatever, text messaging type of society where we want things instantly. And God, nine times out of ten, seems in the Bible that he doesn't operate like that. He's a lot, it takes a lot more patience sometimes And that's one thing that I have to be careful. And I know maybe some of you, that uh, translates in your life a little bit. Uh, But I want to read you a parable today that talks directly to this issue. And Jesus speaks very uh, directly to his uh, disciples about this. So Luke chapter 18, we're in this series called Flannel Graph Jesus, which we're just looking at different parables of Jesus. Pastor Aaron has has shared a few with us. Uh, He's going to be back next weekend sharing another one. He's actually out of town this weekend enjoying some time with his family on vacation. Uh, But a parable just so we all kind of have a definition, is just a story with a meaning. Jesus taught in them all the time. They were just fictional stories that he would get, uh, that he would tell to, to prove a point. Oftentimes he would tell them to his disciples. That's the way he taught. And so we're just going to look at this parable. I'm not going to break it down a ton today. Uh, I think there's a real simple point that Jesus is trying to get at here, and he actually 
the, the writer in Luke kind of gives it away in verse 1, and we're just going to talk about it. I'm going to make some observations about this parable. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, again, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it'll also be on the screens. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's kind of the cliff notes right there. Luke just gives it to you. That's what this parable is about. Verse 2, it says, He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I do have to tell you that when I was preparing to to talk about this parable, that um, my mind went a million different directions, and I, I, I... kind of, uh, I wanted to share a whole lot more than I'm going to today, because I found out, you know what, prayer is a vast issue. There is a lot that could be said about prayer. My, at first, I actually had it in my notes. At first, I wanted to talk to you about the things that hinder your prayers. I want to talk to you about unanswered prayer and how to deal with that. I want to talk to you about, you know, different ways to pray and different types of prayer, because there's just so much to it. And I feel if I don't give you everything, that it's just not going to make sense. But today, we're just going to focus real simply on this parable and what this parable says. I think uh, most people in this room, you understand somewhat what prayer is. And I know that because 90% of Americans say that they pray on a somewhat regular basis. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's just what people say when they were surveyed. 90% actually pray. Uh, they did also did a survey where they, um, they were asking people, do you think that there should be prayer allowed at high school graduation ceremonies? And 83% of Americans said yes, that's totally fine, which is just astonishing when you think about how, how prayer, you, it seems like you can't pray anywhere these days, but uh, prayer, I think, is something that a lot of people, they understand, they get it, and just so we're all on the same page, though, because if I asked everyone in this room what prayer is, I think I would get a ton of different answers. So today, just for our purposes, prayer is communicating with God. Just real simple. And you notice communicating goes both ways when you have a conversation with somebody. It's God talking to us. It's us talking to God. It's, it's just simply communicating with God. So I just want to make, if you're taking notes on the backside of your bulletin, I just want to make a few observations. The first one is this. Always pray. Always pray. Now, just to kind of define that a little bit further, because I think there's two different Uh, ways that you can define always pray. And so I want to talk about two different areas of it. The first one is pray about everything. Pray about everything. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You know, I sometimes wonder if if, because um, I've seen this play out in my life at times. I've seen this play out in other people's lives. I, I was a youth pastor for a while, and so I, I saw this in students quite a bit, where you, they would live one catastrophe to the next, it seemed like. It was very much a roller coaster type relationship with God, and they would have something major going on in their life, some major problem, and it was genuinely a, a big deal. 
And that's when their prayer life would just heat up. And they'd begin, you know, talking to God and saying, you know, God, help me out in this situation. And then that would get resolved or however it concluded. And then they would kind of just kind of go on cruise control until the next big thing. And, and many people would only pray about the big things in life. You know, like, I don't want to bother God with all these little piddly things in my, you know, it's just, these are just little things that I can probably take care of myself. Uh, this isn't a big deal, you know, whatever. And they just pray about the big things in life. This passage of scripture says, pray about everything. Always pray. And today, I feel like there's a lot of times we miss out on the provision and the glory of God because, and the power of God because we fail to pray just about the everyday details of our lives. You know, we think, I can, I can take care of this myself. This is not a big deal. I need to make more money. I need to figure this out. I maybe need to get a second job. I need to figure, you know, make this work myself, which is fine. I believe God has given us a brain to use. But this verse says, pray about everything. Talk to God about it. Say, God, can you help me in this area? Uh, and, and in the Bible, there's, there's things that people prayed about all over the board. And I'm just gonna give you a few examples in scripture. Zacharias prayed that for a son. Solomon prayed for wisdom. Moses and Samson prayed for water. Daniel had, had a weird dream and asked God to help him understand the dream. Gideon prayed for a sign from God. Abraham's servant prayed that he would find a wife for Isaac. David prayed for forgiveness. Elijah prayed that it would stop raining. Three years later, he prayed that it would start raining again. Paul prayed for a thorn in his side three times, the Bible says. The disciples prayed for boldness, and Jesus himself which he prayed a ton in the Bible, which, which makes me understand that this is a pretty big deal. But Jesus himself prayed for unity among his disciples. And the list could go on and on and on about just things that people prayed for in the Bible. This is something that um, beginning to teach our daughter May. Uh, you know, we, we've prayed for her, you know, since she was just, you know, in the womb still, but now that, now that she's turned two and, and she's getting, she kind of understands things a little bit, we're encouraging her to pray about things, and it's, it's funny, it, it's just, it's cute to watch, because, uh, well, the other day, just to give you an example, I, we were dancing in the, uh, in the living room, she lo- loves to just listen to music, and dance, she dances, if she, she honestly dances to the dishwasher, because it, it makes a, you know, just a rhythm, or whatever, she dances to everything, and it's just the cutest thing, but we're dancing, got a little out of control, and I stepped on her foot, Okay, and it, it left a red mark, not a bruise or anything, just a little red mark. And it wasn't that big of a deal until she saw it. There's there this red mark, and she began to cry and was like, oh, you know, carrying on about it. And I just sat her down. I said, let's pray about it. And she's, I'm like, do you think Jesus can heal your foot? She said, you know, she's still crying, you know, sucking in oxygen. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, just say Jesus. And she says that Jesus, you know, heal my foot. And she says it, heal my foot. And then, I, you know, I just gave it a little kiss and said, does it, does it feel better? She's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then she, she goes and tells my wife, Amanda, she's like, Jesus healed my foot. <laughs> but, but seriously, we're just beginning to teach her, pray about, pray about the little things in life. Don't just pray about the big when you're just, 
you know, on the verge of tears type situations, pray about your hangnail, pray about your headache. Pray, you know, I believe many of you would begin to see the provision and the glory of God in your life when you just begin to pray about just the little details of your life because the things that matter to you matter to God. Nothing is too big, nothing's too small. Jesus, the only time he criticizes people about their prayer life is when they pray too long, which I think is funny, and when they uh, are inauthentic in their prayers. Uh, He doesn't criticize people for what they pray, pray for. Pray for the little details of your life. Pray about everything. And the second part of this always pray is pray consistently. Pray consistently. Now, I think that this looks different for everyone here. And there's one thing I've learned that, uh, you know, not everyone has to fit this cookie cutter mold of how they interact with God and how they have their quiet time with God. And, and I, I used to think, man, it's like you got to have your, your Bible reading, your prayer time. It's got to be in one location, one time. And if that works for you, great. There's, there's people in this room, you have a very regimented and structured uh, time with God and prayer time. That's awesome. Uh, for me, I'll just give you a little insight. I don't know if this is right or wrong. In fact, I don't think any way to do it is necessarily right or wrong. The Bible says always pray, but mine looks a little bit different. I have a tough time just having that regimented every day at six o'clock a.m. I'm going to pray for an hour, and I, I, my mind tends to wander. I get a little scattered. I, I begin to repeat myself, and so I found what works really well for me, and maybe it will for some of you, is I, I kind of pray different times throughout the day. When I wake up in the morning, I genuinely or generally try to thank God just for the things that he's doing in my life. Maybe have a top 10 list. These are the things I'm thankful for. I have about a 15-minute drive to work. That's, don't get scared. I have my eyes open, but I begin to um, just pray about my day. Uh, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer says, give us today our daily bread, and that's the way that we should pray. Today, Lord, I pray for the things that I pray for the things that are going to happen in my day that I don't even know about yet. I pray for wisdom. I pray that you would just give me guidance, that you'd help me have just a, a good attitude. I pray for today that I'd just be productive and, and, and just have an awesome day. I, I get into work. I see different people throughout the course of the day, people coming in and out. Uh, if I know that there's a situation going on in their life, I just begin to pray for them. Uh, you know, on my way home, I have that 15 minutes again. I begin to pray, uh, you know, for my night, for my time with my family. Now that we have another child, we have two children, that we would have that family time, that we would just have a great night together. Uh, you know, I, I put May to sleep every night, and uh, it's, it's about a half hour, sometimes an hour, but about a half hour process. And I sit with her until she falls asleep and we read her Bible. But I have that time where the lights are off, she's going to sleep, where I just begin to pray for my family. I pray for May. I pray for Benjamin. I pray for Amanda. I pray for my extended family. Um, That's a little bit more what my prayer life looks like. I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it. I don't know. You know, the Bible, again, just says always pray. I think you can break that down however you want, but the point is pray consistently. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, who is an evangelist, uh, very well known, um, says it like this. I love this quote. He says, um, I never go more than about 20, or I never pray for more than 20 minutes, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. And it's just this picture of continually praying throughout the day, praying through every little situation, not just, not just mealtime, yeah, that's all well and fine, but just praying for the details, praying for the things in your life. Pray all the time, always pray. The second observation in, in this parable is this, believe God will do something. Believe God will do something. I know that that sounds real elementary, but I think uh, we can so often miss the boat 
in our prayer lives because of this very principle. The widow, she keeps coming to the judge because she genuinely believes that he's going to do something. I don't think she would waste her time going to him day in and day out if she did not think that it was actually going to eventually pay off. When we pray, we pray to God because we believe he's going to do something. I'm just gonna tell you, uh, this might sound harsh, but if you pray without really genuinely believing that God can and will answer your prayers, it is a waste of time. You might as well not even do it. Uh, pray that you believe, Pray with an expectation that God is going to do something. You know, in the Bible, when there's um, different uh, times that Jesus healed somebody, uh, it wasn't because he healed them, not because somebody had a long, elegant prayer that, or you know, request to God. It's, it's real simple. He, he healed them, and he tells this almost every time when he heals somebody. He says, it's by your faith that you are healed. Many times, it's just somebody coming to him and say, Jesus, I, I want to see again. And he said, it's by your faith that you are healed. That's what has the power to shake the heavens. That's what has the power to unleash the floodgates of heaven onto your life is, is your faith. It's not necessarily an elegant prayer. It's believing that God will actually do something. Now just, a, just a quick example of this in my life. Um, it was about four years ago. We had just gotten, uh, Amanda and I had just gotten married. A little while later, we got a dog. And uh, we got a yellow lab, and he was starting to grow, and so he wasn't really fitting well in his, cage, his little kennel anymore. And so I, uh, I very much wanted to buy him a, like a big kennel that we could put outside with a house and all that kind of stuff. And I, um, I didn't know how much they were. I was thinking they can't be like, like maybe a hundred bucks. I don't know how much they are. I go price them out. I was wrong. They are much more than a hundred dollars. It was a lot more than I thought it was. And it was to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't, they can't, we can't do this right now. I, there's just, the money's not there. This is something we might have to like just save up for, for a while to, to get. Uh, we'll figure something out. Um, and so, you know, poor little Moses in this tiny little kennel. But anyway, uh, uh, I, we can't afford this right now. And I was on my way home from visiting a friend. I had about a two hour drive and it just, it, it, I don't, for whatever reason that day, it really, it just was wearing on me. Like I was, I felt like, oh, I just, I, I want to provide this. I feel like I should be able to. I can't. It really bugged me. It was just, and it was just a little thing. And that's, that's an example of just the little details in your life. I just began to pray. And I was like, God, I don't know if you even want this in my life. You know, I don't know if you even want to help me out with this. But I believe that you can. And you can help provide this kennel. It was a very honest prayer. I felt like I was about six years old again, just saying, you know, just for something that I just wanted. I, was, if I felt somewhat selfish, but I was just like, I feel like, God, you can provide this. And if you don't, no problem. I understand, but I, I really honestly think that you can do this. And I, I just was just, just a real honest prayer. And um, right when I said amen, again, this is not often how God works in my life, but this, this particular time it was, right when I said amen, my phone rang. It was my sister, and she called, and she said, I don't know why, uh, but I, uh, my husband and I, Adam, we felt, we felt impressed to buy that kennel for you that you were talking about. And I, I just, I was crying on, on the other end of the phone. I was like, you have no idea how, you know, the situation, I explained it to her. And I, I was just like, thank you so much. 
it meant, and again, this is a little thing in the grand scheme of things, a kennel, you know, big deal, really. But it was something that I cared about. And, and because I cared about, God cared about it. And I believe that God could actually do something about it. And he did it. And I've seen that time and time again. If there's somebody you should talk to after the service, you want to hear some crazy stories about faith and, and how somebody was healed, talk to uh, our missions and outreach pastor, Kevin Miller. Man, he has, he has some stories. He has seen mute people talk when he pray, right when he prays for them. He's had seen people with cancer uh, be healed instantly. I mean, just crazy stuff. But believe that God can and will do it, that, that he actually has the power to do that. Believe God will do something when you pray. Third observation is do not give up. Don't give up. Uh, this is something that I was actually preparing for this message and I was on the phone with my brother who's here today and I was just bouncing, bouncing it off of him a little bit. Here's what I'm thinking of doing and talking about today. And, and came up to me, it was my little daughter, May, and she begins tapping on my leg and saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And, you know, she just keeps going until she, I'm kind of like, hold on a minute. And May, Amanda is busy with Ben, and so I'm trying to, to explain to her, you know, hold on a minute, just a minute. And she just keeps yelling, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And gets louder and louder, and pretty soon it changes from Daddy to she's tapping on my leg going, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> and... I was just like, hold on a second. What did you just say? And she looks up at me, and it was hilarious. I'll never forget this. Just the, face, the look she had on her face. She kind of mouths it out real loud. She's like, Ryan, you know? And she's two, you know? I don't know where she picked up on that. Um, but, man, she wanted to get my attention, and she got my attention. And now when I ask her what my name is, she says it's Ryan. And I'm like, okay, well, we got to not do that and <laughs> figure out how to get back to being daddy again. But um, it got my attention, though. I actually had to stop the conversation with my brother, tell him this is what May just said. This is, this is just funny. I don't even know what she wanted. And after that, we were all laughing a little bit. And I don't even think she remembered what she wanted anymore. But uh, she got my attention. And I think that's, like, that's the main point of this whole parable is pray and don't give up. Don't stop praying. The widow, she kept coming back to him time and time again. And what's interesting is, is the disciples, they, they were Jewish. And, and in those days, one of the things that um, was kind of an unwritten rule was that you didn't pray more than three times a day by and large. And so they, they actually thought that they would wear God out if they prayed more than three times a day. So he's, Jesus is speaking directly to that here saying, no, 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 you can pray more than three times a day. That doesn't matter to me. The amount of time, you can pray whenever, however much you want to pray. Just don't stop. Keep praying. Be persistent in your prayer life. And that took on a whole new meaning to the, to the disciples that day. You know, in the, uh, I love like case studies, and I'll reference them quite a bit in, in sermons. But one, one, one that I just heard was that um, in the 1960s, I'm sorry, that, that, that was a different one. In the 1990s, there was a, um, uh, a man who did a study at the Berlin School of uh, Academy of Music, and there was very elite musicians there. And he broke everyone up into three different distinct groups. There was like the cream of the crop, not very many, the best musicians and these are like world-class musicians, the best in the world type of, type of people. And then he, there was a second group that was just good, solid, 
might play professionally, might not, just solid musicians. And then there was kind of like an average group, which they were good enough to make the, the elite school of music. So they were, they were good musicians, but they weren't, they weren't, good, they weren't great. They weren't um, elite or anything like that. And they're like, there's got to be a common denominator between these three groups of people. How does one get into another group? Uh, you know, how does that work? And so they found out through doing all these different studies that the one common denominator was that the group of elite musicians from the age of 8 to 20 practiced about uh, 10,000 hours. That's like two and a half hours a day for 12 years. The, the good group uh, practiced about 8,000 hours in that same time period, and the average group practiced about 4,000 hours. That was the only main difference that they could find between any of these musicians was that somewhere along the way, they all started out practicing about the same amount, and then there was some that just began to practice more and more and more consistently day in, day out. And then there was another group that was kind of right behind that, and then this, this average group. That's the only thing that they could find that separates them was that some musicians decided not to give up and to keep going. Now, you take that principle in, into our lives, and, and, you, and they actually did this study with basketball players, ice skaters, you know, all sorts of different professions that it was the same exact find, you know, findings that they had were, were that the elite people had 10,000 hours of practice under their belt before they became elite at anything. That's two and a half hours a day, and sometimes we think, my little... 10-minute prayer every other week is going to just move mountains, and God's just going to just pour down his blessings. Now, could he? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe God could do anything he wants to do. But the, uh, the, it, will it move mountains, by and large? Probably not. There's people that think that their little popcorn prayer here and there is, is going to really, really shake things up. I'm telling you, it's the people who just pray for things day in and day out consistently that they're just going after it time and time again. That is what God tends to hear, and I think that's what that, this parable is trying to say. I, there's a person in my life that I have been praying for for about nine years now, pretty regularly, that I, I believe that they're gonna come to faith in Christ someday. And um, it hasn't happened yet. I don't live by this person. I, I, you know, it, it's kind of difficult to get together at times, but I believe that he's gonna come to faith in Christ someday. There's people in this room that there might be a set of parents in here or a mom or dad who's been praying for their son or daughter to come to faith in Christ and you might have been praying for a long time and it still hasn't happened yet. Can I just tell you, based on what this parable says today, don't give up to just keep praying every single day for them. There might be people in this room, you have somebody that's close to you, a loved one that has a sickness, a terminal illness that you've been praying for and it feels like you're just no results. Everything is just like God is just silent on the issue. Can I tell you that this widow, the judge was completely silent to her for a long time. And then finally, one day, he said, fine, here, I will grant you your request. I'm just going to tell you, keep praying. Keep going after it. Don't give up. The Bible says, don't give up in well-doing for at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. I believe God can and will answer your prayers if you just don't give up. That sometimes the, the most spiritual thing that you can do, maybe the best thing that you can get out of this entire message is to simply not quit, to just keep praying, to keep going after it. Even though you might not get your instant results, your little microwave type results, be patient. Allow God to, to work through process and allow God to answer your prayers in, on his timing, not in yours. 
And the last observation as we kind of wrap up here is this, God cares more than you do. God cares more than you do. Now this, um, this parable is a, first time reading it through, it might seem a little bit confusing because you're like, God's comparing himself to this judge who doesn't even love, you know, he doesn't even fear men or fear God or care about men and he's comparing himself to that. Well, the thing about this parable is that it's a contrast. It's taking the, the, the character of this judge and contrasting, saying, God, if this judge will answer this person and grant them their request, how much more does your God in heaven, who cares about you way more than you could ever imagine, knows the number of hairs on your head, how much more does he care and want to answer your prayers today? You know, there was a, uh, one thing that's really, this has made a whole lot more sense to me on how much God loves us is becoming a parent and just seeing Man, I never knew that I could love something that much. And uh, I remember sitting down um, with my daughter, May. And one thing, again, just sometimes we listen to music, sometimes dancing. Sometimes we just like lay down and just listen to music. And we were listening to some worship music. It was just me and her. Nobody else was around. And the song, How He Loves, I don't know if you're familiar with the song or not, but the, the chorus just says, he loves us, oh, how he loves us. And it just repeats it. And I was just listening to that song with her and I was just thinking, man, I love May just an incredible amount. But the way God loves her, man, my love is just a fraction of how God loves her. And that God loves me the same exact way that he loves her and he loves you the same exact way. And I know that you, you sing the songs, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And we know that we have it up here that Jesus loves us, but sometimes it doesn't always sink in that how much God loves us and how those little details of your life that sometimes can seem so little in comparison to, you almost feel guilty because you're like, I'm praying for these little things and there's people that are dealing with much bigger problems, but that God cares about those little things in your life. He cares about those he cares more than you ever could care, and he cares more than you could ever imagine. You know, I, I believe that if we really understood how much God cared about everything that we pray for, that it, it, we would pray a whole lot more when we understood how much he loves us. And today, I, I want to I wrap things up a little bit differently. I came across this, this passage of scripture that was Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, and it was um, kind of a a benediction type of prayer to the church in Ephesus. He was kind of like this in a summary. This is my prayer for you. It's Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 21. And when I read it, I was like, that's, man, that's what my prayer is for life, church. That's what I think this parable is all about. And so I'm gonna read this parable and then we're gonna wrap things up. But I encourage you just to listen to the words of this and, and to meditate on them today. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me today?